We have been walking through the book of John. Jesus has been having a lot of interaction in the book of John. We said it's one of the red-letter gospels that Jesus speaks a lot in this gospel, that he teaches and preaches, but he has a lot of dialogue, and he's been in dialogue with the uh, Jewish leadership for a couple of chapters. We're in John chapter 8, 37 to 47 this morning, where he has a dialogue with the Jewish leadership, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes, and discussing with them what does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to become a child of God? Starting in verse 37, hear then the word of God. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, and yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not And you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered him and they said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing what your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, then you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, this morning we come again to your word. We come to sit at your feet and to learn of you. I pray, Father, that you would soften our hearts and open our minds that we might receive the truth from you. That we would have ears to hear. Father, we come to things this morning that can be difficult to understand and even hard to hear. Father, I pray that we would be receptive and that we would love your word, that we would live by it. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. The question that is forced upon us out of the text this morning is, who are the children of God? And how does one become a child of God? Because these guys are a little bit confused about what it means to be a child of God or how one becomes a child of God. And this issue is one that has plagued the world for centuries and millennia because there are a lot of folks in the world over the last couple centuries who talk about the universal fatherhood of God. And they believe that every human being is is a child of God by creation. There are others who believe that all uh, Jewish people, that everyone who was born of an Israelite descendancy, uh, of a lineage, is is a child of God by their race, by their ethnicity. 
But what does the Bible say? about how a person becomes a child of God and who actually is a child of God because there's probably no more important thing that you or I could sort out than how to become a child of God. The men in this passage who are the Jewish leadership, you've got to go all the way back to verse 13 to see the the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. And so this dialogue that goes on, Jesus is carrying on with the Jewish leadership and they believe that they are Children of Abraham, and as the children of Abraham, as as Israelites, they are children of God. But Jesus in the New Testament clarified this whole question, and they clarify who is ultimately a true Israelite. And that's the question that is being addressed with these guys who claim that they are the children of Abraham, they are true Israelites, they are the children of God, and Jesus in the New Testament come along and say that ultimately being a true Israelite is not a racial designation, ultimately, that ultimately it's a spiritual reality, and a racial designation doesn't necessarily go along with that spiritual reality, you can have one without the other, and let's take a look at it, in verse 37 these guys say, Well, they say back in verse 33 and 34, they say that we have never been enslaved to anyone. We're the offspring of Abraham. Jesus says some things to them about freedom. And then they answer him back and they say, Abraham is our father in verse 39. And so these guys are saying that they're the offspring of Abraham, that they're true Israelites. And Jesus responds to them in verse 37 and he says, you guys, I know that you're the offspring of Abraham. Right there in verse 37, and yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. So he acknowledges, I understand your physical lineage. I understand that I'm standing in the middle of Israel. I understand who you guys are as the Pharisees. We know that you're you're Jewish. I understand your lineage. He says, the problem is this. (laughs) You're trying to kill me. Right? You reject me. You reject, they're rejecting the Messiah. They're rejecting his message. They're rejecting the gospel. They reject Jesus. And Jesus says, "Who I came from God with a message from God. And the problem is you're trying to kill me. And in verse 38, he puts his finger on the problem. Right? What's the problem in verse 38 then? He says, I speak of what I've seen with my father. And you're doing what you have heard from your father. We're both listening to our fathers. See, Jesus puts his finger on the problem and he says the problem is parentage. The problem is we have different fathers. I'm telling you what I heard from my father and you're doing what you've heard from your father and they're at odds with each other. Different parentage. I'm serving mine. You are serving yours. So in verse 39, they answer him again and they say, Abraham is our father. They object one more time. Our lineage, our physical lineage, we are racially Jews. You know, Abraham is our father. Jesus says, no, he's not. He goes on in verse 39 and Jesus answers them and he says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would be doing what Abraham did. But you're not. You are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And this is not what Abraham did. If Abraham was your father, you would do what, your, what Abraham did. 
The children of Abraham would have the heart of Abraham. The children of Abraham would follow in the footsteps of their father. They would do what Abraham did. They would believe what Abraham believed. Because then you would ask the question, as he says, you would do what your father Abraham did. The question is, what did Abraham do? Well, Abraham stands at the beginning of the line of Israel, of the nation. And you've got to understand, Abraham, the entire nation of Israel flows from Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his 12 sons, and the nation of Israel. Abraham was called out of, out of Ur and out of paganism to become the child of God, and, and the people of God flow out of him. He stands at the head of the race. And what did he do? We're told that he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Right? God's word came to him and he believed it. And this is what's going on in this text. Jesus says, I've got, I am speaking from God. I am speaking from the Father. And you don't hear me. Right? Abraham heard God. He believed God. And, and he was credited to him as righteousness. It was his salvation. As he entered into covenant with God as his, as his man. So in verse 40 he says, but... But you seek to kill me. I'm a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And you're doing that what Abraham did not do. Right? A true child of Abraham, then, an Israelite, is one who recognizes Messiah. Right? It's one who recognizes Jesus for who he is. Right? They respond in faith to God's word. Abraham heard God's word and he responded in faith. And Jesus says, all those who are of the true spiritual lineage of Abraham will hear the word of God as it comes from me about Messiah. And they will respond in faith. Look at John eight fifty six, just further down in the passage, later on in this same text that we'll look at probably next week. He says, your father Abraham... He rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. And there's a, there's a very real sense in which Abraham heard the gospel, that Abraham had a, a, a sight of God's salvation and a coming Messiah, and believed in that Messiah, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What is Jesus doing in this text? I believe it seems clear that Jesus is redefining what it means to be a child of Abraham. Right? What does it mean to be a true child of Abraham, an Israelite? And these guys keep claiming, but we're racially, ethnically, physically of the lineage of Abraham. And Jesus is saying, you, you, don't, you don't believe like Abraham, you don't act like Abraham, you don't follow in the footsteps of Abraham. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced, and you see me and you want to kill me. The mark of a true child of Abraham is saving faith. And that is at the, at the heart of this. And what, is, what does it mean to be a true Israelite? What is a, a, a spiritual descendant of Abraham? It's someone who, has, who hears the word of God and responds in faith. It's someone who believes and is saved. Abraham's true lineage is spiritual, not racial. Look at verses, Romans 2, verses 28 and 29. It's there in your bulletin. This is what Paul says. You know, what, it is, what did the apostles, what did his followers hear as he has these dialogues with, with the Jewish leadership? Paul writes this in Romans chapter 2. He says, For one is not a Jew who is merely one outwardly, and nor is circumcision outward and physical. 
Right? A Jew is not one who is merely one outwardly or physically or ethnically or racially. In other words, your ethnic lineage, Paul says, if that's all you have, that's not a true Jew. Nor, he says, is circumcision outward and physical, the mark that marked God's people and set them apart as Israel was circumcision. Your, and so he says your religious practice, if it is by itself, is useless. Your lineage and your religious practice are useless. He says a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. But he says somebody is a child of Abraham, is an Israelite one way and one way only. And that's by a new heart by the Spirit of God. It's to believe with the faith of Abraham and to have a new heart by the Spirit of God. All right, look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, if, you, if God were your father, you would love me. Right? A child of God, the mark of a child of God is that they love Jesus. Galatians 3.29, it's here in your bulletin, we see this. He says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Implying and laying out exactly what Jesus says, that if you are not Christ's, you are not Abraham's offspring. That's what Jesus is telling these guys. If you, if you loved me, then you would be true children of Abraham. Galatians 3.7, it didn't make it into your bulletin, says if it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The only people who inherit Abraham's promises and all the promises to Israel and who are true Israel, the only ones who inherit all of that and bear that lineage spiritually in all the promises and the covenants of God are the people of faith. And that's clear through the Old Testament. You can't read the Old Testament and there are those, there's always a people of faith and an Israel that's faithless. Right? At one point, God says, I reserve for myself 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. There's an, there's an Israel that is faithful to me and that are mine. And then there are rest who were faithless. And it doesn't matter that they were of the lineage of Israel because they didn't know and love and respond to God's word in faith. And so God reserves for himself a people. Every Old Testament promise is received or rejected in the receiving or the rejecting of Jesus Christ. To believe in Jesus, then, is to receive all the promises. There in your bulletin, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, we're told that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Right? And here Jesus stands before these guys as the yes of every promise God had ever made to Israel about anything good. All of his covenants and all of his promises from Abraham on through King David. And they're all yes in this man Jesus, the Messiah sent from God, telling them the truth and standing there as God himself incarnate. And they reject him. There is a major division. What I'm describing in some ways is a major division in Christendom. There are two ways to think about these, these promises to Israel. right? Because we believe that very clearly and obviously that God made a set of promises to Israel in the Old Testament. But there are two ways to think about them. The one thing we agree on is this. That God fulfills every promise He makes. That God's promises never fail. That they come true invariably. Without fail. 
So the question is, if God has made all these promises to Israel, how will they be fulfilled? Will they be fulfilled racially in a nation? Or will they be filled spiritually in a spiritual nation? And it is a divide that there are many of us, and I'm, what, I'm, what I'm bringing to you this morning is, is what we call a reformed and covenantal perspective that says that all of the promises that were made to Israel stood there in the person of Christ, and they're all received or rejected in Christ. And that every promise God had made is a yes in Jesus Christ, is fulfilled in Christ, and that God's people are ultimately a people of faith who respond in faith and receive Christ, and with Him, everything that was ever promised to God's people Because God's people are a people of faith, Old Testament and New. There is another view that says the promises were made to ethnic, political, socio-political Israel and they will be filled in some literal, physical, racial sense in some future period of time that it will all come to pass. And that's one way to understand it and so we wait for those things to be fulfilled where I believe the scripture is telling us here and in very many ways that these things are fulfilled in a spiritual Israel. Look at Romans chapter 9 there in your bulletin. Paul is addressing the fact that Israel rejected their Messiah. Right By the time you get to Romans chapter 9, Paul has been discussing the gospel, and he gets to Romans chapter 9, and, he, and he's trying to answer the question, if God's promises never fail, there it is, if God's promises don't fail, then how is it that Israel rejected the Messiah? Because it looks like, it looks like they all fell down on their head. That when the Messiah came, Israel didn't embrace him. Right, but what does Paul say? Answering this question, he says, it's not as though the word of God has failed. The promises have not failed. And his answer is not this. His answer is not the word of God has not failed. It's still coming. We need to wait and someday, racially and ethnically, in, in, in a new socio-political situation, when Rome is thrown off, all of these things will then be fulfilled in some future period. That's not Paul's answer. Paul says the word of God hasn't failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. This is Jesus' answer to these guys that are confronting him, saying, we're the children of Abraham, we're the Israelites. And Jesus says, if you were, you would love me. And so he's telling these guys, obviously not all Israel are Israel. Because you're Israel, and you're not Israel. You're sons of Abraham, but you're not sons of Abraham. Right? Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all who are children of Abraham are are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. In other words, there are children of promise and children of faith. The promises have not failed. They have been fulfilled perfectly and beautifully and completely in spiritual Israel. Look at Romans 11 in your bulletin. He says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although you were a wild shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share the nourishing root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. What, what is Paul saying there? As he reaches 9, 10, and 11, Paul addresses this issue of the, of the relationship between Jews and Gentiles and the fulfillment of God's promises and how the Gentiles fit into the fact that the Jews have broken off. And he gives this image of the olive tree, and the olive tree is Israel. And he says some of the branches were broken off. They, they didn't believe. 
But you, Gentiles, though you're a wild olive shoot, you were grafted in among the others. You were brought in and made part and, and grafted in. It wasn't making a new tree. You know, believing New Testament Christians weren't making a new tree. They're grafted in to Israel, to the one people of God, a people of faith, right? True Israel is a spiritual people. There are people who are created and defined by faith in God, Old Testament and New Testament. They are created and defined by their faith in God, Jews and Gentiles together. And saying all of this, this is one, you know, there's a couple different difficult things as Jesus approaches this. This is a question that we wrestle with, whatever you do with that. My take is Jesus redefines Israel as a spiritual entity. It was always meant to be the children of God by faith. That's what Israel is in a spiritual sense from the beginning of Old Testament to the end of time. God is creating a people for himself. They are a people of faith. And it starts in the Old Testament, and some of that is broken off, that the gospel can go to the world, and those who would believe, both Jews and Gentiles, would be grafted into one tree, one new man, one believing people of God for all eternity. But even as he says this, the second difficult thing that comes out of this, if, that, if the children of God are created and defined by faith, then not everyone is a child of God. Perhaps the most difficult thing that Jesus says in this text comes in verses 41 and following. When they say that we're not born of sexual immorality, which I think is a slight on Jesus. There's a name for that on his origins and the fuzziness surrounding his birth. So I think they come in to add homonym on Jesus and say we weren't born of sexual immorality, implying he was. We have one father, even God. Jesus answers them and says, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from him. I came not of my own accord. He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? You are of your father, the devil. Right, that's got to be the hardest thing that I, that almost to come out of Jesus' mouth. It's an uncomfortable thing for Jesus to say to a group of religious people to begin with, but to anybody. It's a hard-pointed thing. And he says the reason that he says this, he says it because you do those things which please your father. In other words, this is how we know whose child someone is. The mark of a true child is to do their father's will. And Jesus says we know who your father is because you reject me and my word finds no place in you. And you won't hear me, and you won't believe in me, and you won't respond to me, and you will not trust me, you will not hear the voice of God speaking, and you want to kill me. And he says, you do the things of your father who was a liar. He, he didn't like the truth either. He was the father of lies. It is his nature. He, it's his native language. And so when someone comes speaking the truth, you can't hear it because you speak your father's native language. The mark, the true mark of a child is that they do their father's will. Now, most people don't want to be Satan's tool. I don't think I've ever met anyone, unless you have extreme Satan worship over here or something, who said, you know, my goal today is to serve the father of lies and his purposes in the world. 
No one says that that I know of. It's kind of an extreme case of Jesus, why would Jesus would come out and throw it at these guys. But at the same time, the hard truth is, what Jesus is saying here is that all who reject God's word, reject God. That all who will not hear his word and receive his word and do his word, live his word, are going to receive somebody else's word and do that word and that will. And there are really these two options in life to whom ultimately, whether we would purposefully or consciously choose to serve, when we reject God's word and his will and his ways, we ultimately serve the enemy's purposes. 1 John 3.10 is here in your bulletin under the second point. John says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not a child of God. Right? That's what we say. How do you know whose child someone is? You know whose child someone is by whose will they serve. Right? We know it's evident who are the children of God and who are the children of devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness, who does not love God's word, who does not hear it and receive it, does not believe in it and respond to it. As he says in verse 42, if God were your father, You would love me. You would love the bearer of the truth. You would love my message. You would love everything that I have come to tell you, that God has come to bring life and light in the person of Christ. See, unfortunately, in America in the 20th century, there are a lot of people who make the mistake that the Pharisees are making in this passage, that they look to their lineage to identify themselves, that they believe, they like to believe that they're the children of God, that they're the children of Abraham and of faith. And they assume they're God's children because they were born into the right family, because they have the right lineage. It's almost, I mean, you can bring it down in America, it's almost like if you're born in America, you're a Christian, right? It's kind of like the Jews were assuming we were born in Israel, right? We've got, you know, we've got the Bible, of course we're Abraham's children, right? Their assumption was they were born in the right country and they've got the Bible, and so they are God's children. You think I was raised in a Christian family while I've been in the church my whole life. I know what the basic doctrines are, and I do believe them. I've checked them off my list of things that I, I acknowledge and believe. Right? This is the mistake of the Pharisees who had their lists and their rules in their Bible, and they've been in church their whole lives. But the truth is this, sleeping in the garage does not make you a car. That's what Jesus is telling these guys. Being born in Israel doesn't make you guys sons of Abraham. It's something real. It's something spiritual. It's between you and God. To be the people of God, you must know him and love him and respond to his word in faith and serve him. You know, it's about, it's about you and God in, in spiritual relationship, and either it exists or it doesn't. There's only one way to become a child of God. And that is a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. As he says right here, if you were the children of God, you would love me. And it is only love for Christ that makes someone a child of God. And love for Christ, and as I've been trying to say all along, when you have Christ, you know, as we, we read back in uh, Galatians, that those, if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's children, and the whole of Scripture opens up to you. Right? To have Christ by faith is to be a child of God. 
And all the promises of God are yes in Christ. And you become an heir of everything. Everything that is possibly promised and given to God's children are yes in Christ. And when he has him, who, who, who gave us his own son, how will he not with him give us all things? There's one way to become a child of God. And Jesus presents himself to us and he calls us to faith. To hear his words. To receive him as king and as savior. To love him. To follow him. To serve him. And my friends, if you've been in church even your whole life, you know, I would encourage you to step back and take a hard look and say, all right, so you've been sleeping in the garage. You know, that's great. But the question is, do you have a personal commitment to Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Do you love him? Have you committed yourself to him and received him as king and as savior in your life? Are you seeking to live a life that is pleasing to him as you walk with him? You know him and you love him and you serve him. You know that you are God's child, that you are born again and adopted into his family. There's one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we do bow the knee to you this morning. We would hear the words of God from your lips. We would put our faith in you. We would love you. Jesus, we do love you. We embrace you as king and as savior. We would give our lives to serve and to follow you in truth. Oh, would you cause us to be born again and adopted as children of God. And Father, I pray for those here this morning who know you and love you and are are confident in their adoption and their childhood before you. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to all that is ours in Christ. That we are heirs and co-heirs with him of every promise ever delivered to your children. That we might embrace our heritage and live in the full freedom. The Son has set us free. and We are free indeed. May we know it, love it, and experience it. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.